Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with me, your girl, Stephanie Hardy. Thank you so much for listening. If you if this is your first time listening, welcome. If this isn't your first time listening, thank you for enjoying the ride. And I hope that I can continue to give you your chill, passionate and positive vibes um, for as long as I possibly can. So I'm going to start with your regular news and gossipish, and I have a lot to cover. And then I'm going to discuss um, in story time how um, AEW and Brandy Rhodes have basically created a new space for women um, fans and how there's been a backlash and how it's actually gone this weekend. And I'm going to have your weekly recap of shows. So sit back, relax and listen to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with Stephanie Hardy. Okay, so I got your news and gossip-ish here. And we're going to start with talking about The Rock. He has like two different things going on this week. So I'm going to discuss the first thing, which was how he teamed up with Redbird Capital and Danny Garcia to buy the XFL for $15 million this past Monday. So Scott Sochnick of Sportico broke the terms of the deal, which came just before the league and its assets were set to go up for auction. So Vince McMahon... Um, and his football league filed for bankruptcy protection earlier this year due to the pandemic destroying the season. As you know, um, the XFL sort of started around, I believe, February when the NFL ended um, their season. And they started off really well because they started off really differently than the NFL would be. Like, yeah, they had the coaches mic'd up and they had the players mic'd up. You can hear a lot of the stuff that they were saying. And they actually started off with a really good season. And then somehow another viewership started to trickle down. And then, of course, with the pandemic breaking out it canceled the whole season and you couldn't have anybody there to go to the games so it wound up going belly up again um this isn't the first time it's gone belly up it went belly up another time due to a whole lot of different things i can't really get into right now but it seemed like the xfl had a curse on it and and it's kind of unfortunate that it happened but basically in a statement danny garcia who is also the rock's ex-wife and the mother of simone johnson stated for Dwayne, gary and myself um this property represents an incredible opportunity and it is a confluence of great passion tradition and um possibility so they are really excited for what's to come with this um venture they also stated that sports and entertainment are the foundations of the businesses i've built melding our expertise combined with our commitment to deliver exciting and inspiring unique content has us all focused on developing the xfl brand into a multimedia experience that our athletes partners and fans will proudly embrace and love so it's looking like it's about to start off really good and yesterday the news broke that the rock and redbirds capital of the xfl had been approved by bankruptcy court and espn kevin cypher reported that the u.s district judge Lori silverstein cleared the sale after the xfl and the court's unsecured creditor committee resolved issues related to the 15 million dollar sale price so we wish everybody good luck in that and hopefully that the xfl will employ other players who may not want to go to the nfl route and do 
something a little bit different. So here's hoping that the XFL will actually thrive and flourish with someone like The Rock who has a past in playing football. Of course, as you know, he played for the University of Florida and he played for um, the Canada Football League for a little while before he was let go. And then he wound up going into the sports entertainment industry and becoming the star we know him as today. So that's going to be cool. Also, The Rock um, was dealing with some barbs on Twitter from Daniel Bryan and because Daniel challenged him to a match due to his irritation at Birdie Joe, his daughter singing Moana songs all the time. So Birdie Joe is the oldest daughter of Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella. And as you know, with children, they have a tendency to become obsessed and latch on to different kid movies. And Birdie Joe has become obsessed with Disney's Moana, which, you know, if you have seen or if you haven't seen it, is a story of an island princess who goes out with a demigod, Maui, who was voiced by Dwayne Rock Johnson. And they go out to save her island um, with nature. And so in the movie, The Rock sings the song, You're Welcome. And it's basically a favorite among lots of children. It's a really good song too, I must say, as a person who parlays in Disney a whole lot. Um, And since Birdie has been watching the movie a whole lot since quarantine has been going on, the song gets stuck in Daniel Bryan's head. And because the song gets stuck in Daniel Bryan's head, he basically tweeted out to him saying, on Thursday saying, I would love to do a match with The Rock based solely on how many times my daughter has made me listen to You're Welcome. And then, of course, it gets stuck in my head and I sing it all day. And then The Rock tweeted back at him and replied and said, I can see the writing on the wall from miles away. I'll be jobbing again in the spirit of being a girl, dad. Let's do it. And congrats, brother, on the new arrival. We're thrilled for you, Mama B, and the family. So he also sent congratulations to Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella on the birth of their new baby boy. And so basically, it seems like it's all lighthearted. But who would, who else would totally want to see a match between The Rock and Daniel Bryan? Like, I would, in a sense, because, I mean... It would be really cool to see the one guy who made probably one of the greatest WrestleMania victories happen in New Orleans a couple of years ago go up against an amazing star like The Rock. I mean, nobody ever truly stops coming up with dream matches for him. A lot of people push for Roman Reigns versus The Rock because of their family heritage and because of the star power. A lot of people push, well, pushed for John Cena versus John, well, John Cena versus The Rock and that wound up happening twice. So who's to say? Maybe one day Daniel Bryan and The Rock could very well fight each other. That is if Daniel Bryan has another bad guy heel turn, but huh, we'll see. <laughs> so also in the news, we have ex-WWE superstar Marty Jannetty suggesting the idea that he may have possibly killed a man in self-defense. Um, per Wrestling Inc.'s Mark Middleton, Marty Jannetty released a Facebook post saying that he wrote he made a man disappear and that authorities should have looked in the Chattahoochee River. He said that he was purchasing marijuana from a bowling alley co-worker whom he believed to be gay, alleging the man had dragged me around to the back of the building. And he stated in another interview with Boston Wrestling Sports that the guy was a front desk clerk and he was known to sell weed. And what I didn't know was that he supposedly lured in little kids. 
and he alleged that the man had attempted to touch him inappropriately and grabbed him by the hair and by his shirt when he tried to get away and he hit the man in the head with a brick and he said I was only I was only trying to beat him up and I wasn't trying to kill him and he said he disposed of the body in the Chattahoochee River and Middleton noted that a bowling alley, Victory Lane's family bowling center, was once in operation next to the Chattahoochee River in the home in Janetti's hometown of Columbus, Georgia. And the police has has basically started investigating the possible crime. And it's so sad for me because it seems like Marty Janetti sort of found a lot of his fame when he was tag teaming with Shawn Michaels as part of the Midnight Rockers. And it always felt like ever since Shawn Michaels sort of turned heel a long time ago and kicked him in the face, it seemed like Marty was always sort of struggling to find his footing, whereas Shawn Michaels was was thriving in his singles career. And it seemed like ever since then, you know, when he would come back as a legend in WWE, there was always something that popped up in his personal life that would sort of stop him from doing this. And I feel like it's such a shame that he also mentioned the sexual orientation of the person that he killed as if, or possibly killed, I'm not saying that he actually did it, um, that he mentioned the sexual orientation of this person as if that had to do with the reasoning as to why he may have possibly hurt the person. And I'm hoping that justice is served in this um, aspect if something did happen but if something didn't happen then I hope that Marginetti can just go on about his business and just live his life um yeah it was kind of disturbing to kind of wake up to um this week so here's hoping the best for that situation and the last thing we have on the docket in terms of news is the fact that Booker T yet again has come out um and mentioned his opinion about Big E and his singles run and what Big E would need to do to be taken seriously as a single star. Um, he kind of, Booker T kind of got some backlash um, when he mentioned that Big E should possibly change his character in order to be taken seriously as a possible world champion. As you know, since Xavier Woods has been injured with his Achilles um, tendon for almost a year now, and since Kofi Kingston has been out with his injuries sustained at Extreme Rules, the horror show in his um, tables match with Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro for the tag titles, Big E has been given the blessing to go on his singles run. And he has come up with some results because he beat The Miz um, two weeks ago on SmackDown. And he had a really strong promo going forward on SmackDown last night. But... Somehow or another, um, Booker T just feels like, oh, well, he needs to change and not try to be so much of the new day while the rest of the new day is gone so he can be taken seriously as a world champion. And what's so funny is a lot of people said the same thing about Kofi Kingston when he was still with the new day and going on his world championship run last year, culminating in WrestleMania um, and with him winning against Daniel Bryan. And it's so sad that people feel like if you're a baby face that you have to make all these changes to your character in order to be taken seriously as if you can't mean business and also have fun and be nice and be sweet as well and it seems like with Big E's character 
and for where he is now, it wouldn't make any sense for him to change. Big E also mentioned in an interview, um, in an exclusive interview with um, Bleacher Report, that he feels like it made no sense coming from Booker T, um, who was a world heavyweight champion at a time during which he had a gimmick where he was a king with a fake English accent with Queen Charmelle. Like, this is a black man from Texas, y'all. Like, it made no sense for him to have like an English accent but he did that just to make himself sound like a snob because he had won King the Ring and because he won you know the heavyweight title and but he made it work and it, and it got over with him and Charmel's work so it kind of feels weird for him to say oh well Biggie needs to change and not be the silly person and not do the log roll to the ring and not do all this other silly stuff and Big E did start off you know a serious superstar when he started on his first singles run you know and he was an ic title winner he was also like the first black nxt title um winner and he was kind of serious then but then he was more so of a baby face then too so maybe biggie just shouldn't have to change himself because it would it just wouldn't make any sense for someone who's been silly and having fun with us for six years to just up and change just because he's going for a title like it, it just makes no sense. And Biggie is fine the way he is. So with that in mind, that's it for your news and gossip-ish. And now we're going to go to my thoughts on the Brandy Rhodes AEW heel situation. Okay, so in this wrestling fan story time, I'm going to use this segment to talk about AEW heels and what I hope to see from it in the near future and everything that sort of happened and escalated this week with that news. So I had the privilege this week of being able to watch the women, the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament. And I was so happy to see stars like Medusa come off come out to kick off the tournament and seeing Shaw Guerrero you know ring announce again and be on the same show as her legendary mother Vicky as a manager and also seeing the debuts of Ariane Andrew who's formerly known as Cameron in WWE and Tanara Conti make her debut as well I was happy to see all these people while also at the same time be introduced to new people who I never really seen before um like Allie and Penelope Ford and Mel, um, who looks like a total rock star. And I was able to see Nyla Rose in action for the first time in a while. So that was really good because I really don't necessarily watch AEW as much as um, I would hope <laughs> because it comes on opposite NXT and it's just a lot going on with that. So it's just kind of crazy. So I was happy to actually see the tournament to watch it take place. So while the tournament was going on, they showed a commercial that I found very intriguing with Brandy Rhodes sort of in her role as a wrestler and showing her also in her role as a chief branding officer um, of AEW. And she showed women fans in the audience and she showed women wrestlers as well as well as their female referee Aubrey. And she was basically talking about how she wants to be able to create a space for female fans to discuss wrestling and what it's like for them and also what it's like to be a fan online and all of the above. So she created this fan club called AEW Heels. And in 
from seeing exactly what's offered from it in terms of meet and greets and different, you know, prizes and stuff like that. And um, having access to live streams in which they're discussing different subjects that um, women can relate to. They actually did that today, as a matter of fact, for the first time. It seems like it's a really good investment in terms of um, creating a space specifically for female fans, especially in AEW, because sometimes in wrestling, it seems, you know, even though it's gotten way better than what it once was, um, Brandy sort of felt like when a woman has an opinion in wrestling, you know, or an opinion about anything in wrestling, she's sort of, you know, dogged out by some dudes who feel like oh well you shouldn't be talking about this or all this other stuff and all of that so she wanted to create a safe space for women to discuss some things that have happened and in light of everything that went down with um the hashtag speaking out movement and with women's wrestling continue continuing to grow on a regular basis and the fact that on AEW the women aren't given as much time as people would have liked or at least what we're used to now especially coming from WWE and their women's evolution and impact and their knockouts division and all of that stuff you know you would think that AEW would prioritize their women's division on the same level um and I understand that this company hasn't has not yet been in existence for a year it's just the fact that you would believe that they would you know prioritize you know their women wrestlers but somehow another there are some times where they don't even feature their women's champion on television for weeks at a time and it's just kind of like hearing that is kind of shameful because I mean women are the draw women are a part of the draw in this day and age especially now in light of the pandemic a lot of the time especially i can say not comparing AEW with wwe for the sake of competition but with wwe some of its biggest stars have been the women in terms of, of the pandemic you've had charlotte you know being the nxt champion for the second time she kind of brought a draw you had oscar being a raw women's champion and bringing that draw in the absence of becky lynch and her um pregnancy announcement you have now bailey and sasha holding all the gold with all their crazy shenanigans and how that's sort of you know helping people helping the company to sort of ride this wave as you know they try to find their way creatively in the midst of this time of uncertainty and you would think that AEW would take advantage of their women's division in that in that aspect but somehow or another they're just not and on social media there are many fans who are very disconcerted with that and they've expressed that and i believe brandy is trying her level best to sort of give a healing balm to that with aw heels and i commend her for that now the one thing that does weird me out though is just the fact that it costs so much and you know with everything that's going on and not even just with stuff that's going on just with daily life um I guess it's kind of hard for some people to, you know, put forth that money because there are some people on Twitter who were like, you know, I'm not sure if I can do this because it costs so much and all this other stuff. And hopefully, you know, somehow or another, they'll possibly, you know, rethink the idea of it costing so much. But they offer a whole lot, which I guess is why, you know, the price is as much as it is. But 
something that happened that disturbed me a little bit was the fact that everybody had came down on Brandy because of some stuff she said in a tweet where she was responding to a couple of fans, which is something that she has a tendency to do a lot. Um, and they kind of came down on her for saying that all female fans don't necessarily like women's wrestling. And a lot of people came down on her for that to the point to where it seemed as if she felt like maybe she should just, you know, go offline for a while. And she deleted her Twitter account completely. Like I tried to look for her and literally all you saw was just blank pictures and her name where it says the Brandalorian. Um, don't sue me, Disney. But anyway, um, <laughs> literally, it was just like she had deleted it completely. And I think the first time I had saw her on social media was on Instagram where she posted a picture. And it's so sad when sometimes I understand it's social media and there's levels to it that you can expect you know for people to respond to the stuff that you say whether it be positive or negative but it shouldn't be so bad to the point to where we're running people offline and making them feel like oh there's nothing they can do to fix whatever it is that's going on and just making them run offline because you know they're just sad for what's going on let's not bully people guys let's try to be you know as nice as we possibly can you know of course give constructive criticism but not be cruel about it and in the past I have seen where people may have been you know cruel to Brandy Rose because even she mentioned in the wrestling landscape there are people which is a part of the reason why she made AEW heels in the first place is because of the fact that there have been so many people who thought that the only reason why she's reached the successes that she has in wrestling is because of who she's married to or who she's sleeping with and that kind of sucks as a woman because it's almost like and to a certain degree I've been sort of guilty of it too where you'll see a woman wrestler or even a woman executive connected to or in a relationship with a wrestler and you automatically equate their success to a man's success you know to the man that they're with and that's not fair because for all we know um these women may have worked their entire butts off like nikki bella like a lot of people tried to come down on her a whole lot and joked on her and crapped on her a whole lot when she was dating John Cena. But you have to admit that, that even as a wrestler, she had improved her game a whole lot more in more recent years before she had retired. And it had nothing to do with John Cena and everything to do with the fact that she wanted to be a better athlete to fit the landscape of women's wrestling that was coming forth and springing forth. And we can't just automatically assume that a woman's success is because oh well she's cute or oh she's just pretty and they're just gonna push her and blah 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 because of that like nobody ever does that to men ever like oh they're just pushing them just because oh they're pretty and they have this all this stuff like when we talk about male athletes we have a tendency to talk about their abilities and we stay focused on their abilities and how they look in terms of you know their muscles and all that other stuff but sometimes to a certain degree when it comes to women we sort of degrade them and make it seem like oh they're only getting this push because they're cute and they look this way and blah 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 which to a certain extent might be true but at the same time we can't just make it seem like these people aren't working and aren't actual human beings either like i can't tell you how many times i've seen um people think that alexa bliss 
who started off as an athlete in terms of, you know, baseball and when she was a kid and cheerleading and bodybuilding, you know, was picked apart because they feel like, oh, she wasn't an indie wrestler like, you know, a Sasha Banks or a Bailey or whatever. And they feel like because she's some short, cute blonde, that that's the only reason why she's succeeding. Or they'll ask questions like, oh, who is she screwing, you know, to succeed? Like, that's just horrible. We can't just assume women are just that us as women are getting our success based off of what man that we're with or who we're with who might have a turn have you know power like that's disgusting and it's sexist and it's wrong and it needs to stop so in light of all of that um I heard good things on Twitter about the AEW Heels event that they had where they were talking about specific things. And that did my heart really good this morning to see that women did get their life from the event and felt like they were seen and heard in a certain space. And ultimately, that's the most important thing. And if there's this safe space that's created for women to express you know their fandom in their own feminine way then so be it and even if they don't express it in a feminine way that's okay too they deserve a space to be able to do that and if AEW heels is that place then by all means brandy aubrey and the rest of the girls there at AEW can lead the way towards that and hopefully get more opportunities to show themselves on television and not just on youtube even though she did mention that the reason why they're on youtube was because she pushed for it and because she wanted them to have their own um solid um segment on their own outside of the show on television but we do want more of them on television too so um all in all i just feel like women deserve to have their space in wrestling because honestly to be to be real about it wrestling is a male dominated space but women are slowly but surely making their well actually more quickly now (laughs) um making their voices heard in terms of podcasting in terms of broadcasting in terms of wrestling in terms of refereeing and in so many other ways as well so as long as we're continuing to make those strides and those steps regardless to all the ugly things that people have to say or fans have to say then we're we'll always be on the right track and there'll always be a place for us as long as we continue to build a table for ourselves and you know who run the world girls <laughs> so yeah that's the end of that segment and now we're gonna go into the weekly recap okay so now we're gonna recap raw and we're gonna start with the women as always so Backstage, there was an interview that Sarah Schreiber had with the Golden Roll model, models. That's Sasha and Bailey with all the belts now. Um, so basically, Sasha and Bailey talked, talked and bragged about themselves, and then threw it over to a video package that recaptured the victory um, of Sasha Banks over Oscar a couple weeks ago where she um took advantage of Oscar being distracted by Bailey beating up Kyrie Sane in the back and she won the title via count out. So 
it ended the video wound up ending not on a triumphant note but on asuka saying that revenge will be sweet because she's planning on getting revenge on bailey and sasha for destroying Kyrie sane and having her you know not come on television anymore and ending her career and taking the raw women's title from her so of course you know the golden role models didn't like this and from there, Shayna Baszler basically interrupted and said that she had a problem with what Banks did because she said she had been waiting in line long enough for an for another opportunity at the Raw Women's title. And then she punched Sasha in the face and Sasha fell down and then Bayley was like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, what the H? Like, how could you do this? And all this other stuff. So I think that was interesting in the sense that now you have Asuka gunning for the Raw Women's title. And then you also have Shayna Baszler gunning, but then we'll have more on that a little bit later. So also with the women, you had the Kevin Owens show and Ruby Riot was a guest on the show. And she was talking about her feelings with what wrestling has been like since she has returned from her injuries and how she was angry that nothing was truly the same and how she took it out on Liv Morgan. Um, but she was sounding really remorseful about it and how she, you know, felt bad about, you know, alienating her, the only friend that she ever had. So since she was discussing that um, and discussing the fact that she had won a singles match against Peyton Royce here lately, Kevin decided to bring out Liv Morgan, you know, to talk about it. And Liv really didn't necessarily, you know, look like she trusted Ruby because when Ruby initially came back before the pandemic started, you know, she had beat up Liv really bad and their relationship was just torn apart. So she didn't trust that. She was like, okay, well, whatever. You know, she didn't like that. So he, so Kevin basically implored Liv to listen to what Riot had to say. And Ruby basically, you know, recalled her journey over the last, you know, a couple of months, you know, with, you know, what she's been going through and all the changes that have taken place. But then the Iconics came out and interrupted her and they talked all the trash and all that. But then they were dealing with malfunctions from the microphones, from the mysterious power outages and stuff that was going on throughout the show. And so when Kevin Owens put in a little bit of his two cents, they the iconics decided to slap him in the face and so he was just like okay well since y'all gonna slap me in the face he said ladies can i have a little help and then ruby and Liv proceeded to beat them up really bad and then they had a tag team match and the iconics was basically working on ruby and basically beating her up until she finally had a chance to tag Liv morgan and Liv basically fended off the opponents and rolled peyton royce up for the win and after the match, they Liv and Ruby worked together um, to take out Billy Kay before they left together. You know, reunited, even though they were they were kind of hesitant about it or whatever. Now, I am I don't necessarily know how to feel about the Riot Squad sort of getting back together without Sarah. Even though I know Sarah sort of you know got fired with the mass firings that they did earlier this year. And now she's pregnant. So, I mean, there's really no coming back from that. So, congratulations to her with that. So, you know, the Riot Squad are quasi back together. But I feel weird about it because I was sort of gunning for Liv Morgan to sort of be on her own. And sort of find her footing as a singles competitor. And moving with that because her athleticism has moved leaps and bounds, you know, since she's been by herself. 
and Ruby is pretty good on her own too but then I guess there's really not that much that they have for them at this point so I guess they just decided to put them back together so I'm not necessarily mad about it because you know they do need more women's tag teams to go up against you know Bailey and Sasha for those tag titles you know so I guess that could be a good thing so yay the riot squad's back also with the women you had Nia Jax having a confrontation with producer Pat Buck and for those who don't know who Pat Buck is he's actually you know a former independent wrestling star and he had been working his entire life to get to WWE and now he's working as a producer and he got beat up on by Nia Jax with the brawl that she had with Shayna Baszler last week so she you know drug him to the ring or whatever and she basically said that she wasn't gonna apologize to him but she challenged him to a match and he basically said no i'm not gonna fight you or whatever and he wound up suspending her without pay so she headbutted him and he kicked him out of the ring and then you know she walked out and i think this is strange because it felt like nia jacks just got back so why is she all of a sudden suspended you know without pay now it's it's kind of weird so i don't know then we had a match with Shayna Baszler versus Sasha Banks due to their confrontation backstage. And this match was pretty good. I was really intrigued with this idea of, you know, having Sasha Banks like the consummate, you know, Matt wrestler, you know, kind of high flying wrestler. But then you have Shayna Baszler, who's kind of more of a Matt wrestler, MMA style type wrestler, too. So that was going to be cool. And Baszler basically held her own but then Sasha Banks didn't necessarily back down either now of course you know Bailey was out there to sort of be a distraction and so even with you know Sasha sort of putting up a good fight up against Shayna Baszler you had Bailey out there being like the x-factor in that match and of course Shayna fought through but then trapped Banks in the sleeper hole that she, that likes, and that she likes to use and knock people out but then she fought out and then Sasha applied the bank statement. But then Asuka attacked Bailey in ringside, which strangely enough drew a disqualification, which weirded me out because I could have sworn when you that the only thing that warrants a disqualification is if somebody comes from outside the ring, comes inside the ring and then hits a person and then a DQ is offered. I didn't know that DQs were now offered if you attack somebody who has nothing to do with the match outside the ring. That was really strange and in the traditional sense that really doesn't apply but since y'all gonna ring the bell, go ahead ring the bell. It, it, that really frustrated me. So... <laughs> Um, Oscar basically beat everybody up and then after the match Charlie Caruso you know um, joined Oscar in the center of the ring for a promo and she challenged Sasha Banks at SummerSlam for the Raw Women's title and as she challenged Sasha Banks um, Shayna Baszler picked up the microphone and said that she was rooting for Oscar to win because she wanted to pick her apart for the title if she were to win it back. And then Banks and Bailey basically interrupted and said that the only way that Oscar would receive a title opportunity, you know, for her Raw Women's title was if she beats Bailey next week. And Bailey was looking all kinds of mad and disappointed that Sasha basically volunteered her for a match against, you know, Oscar. And it's so funny to see Sasha be able to be that power drunk enough to do it because for a while Bailey was doing that to her multiple times and there's only been maybe two or maybe one or two times where Sasha Banks had did the same thing to her but you know 
Sasha did it to her and was like, yo, like, Bailey, you got this. You can beat Oscar next week and all that, which sort of basically speaks to the ever-growing rift that's supposed to take place between Boss and Hug or the Golden Role Models as they're known now. So I guess they're still sort of playing the long game with that, but hey, whatever. So also with the women, even though this really wasn't a match, this had to do with a tag t- with a um not a tag team match but a singles match between Montez Ford of the Street Profits going up against Andrade and Montez Ford somehow or another got poisoned while he was you know drinking out of his red solo cup and <laughs> and um it's not funny though he really he got poisoned and Zelina Vega got accused of it by Bianca Belair and she was just like bro like you really poisoned my husband and Zelina kept denying it and saying she didn't do it but as Charlie Caruso was trying to get some answers about it and interviewing you know Bianca and how she felt Bianca did the beautiful black woman thing and took off her giant earrings and jumped and lunged at Zelina Vega so now we still have this feud going back and forth between Zelina and Bianca and then it also escalated today because Zelina Vega was doing her live on Twitch um, thing that she does with video game stuff. And Bianca pulled up to Zelina's house and beat her up in her own room. So it's just kind of like, what? Like that was so cool because she was on the live stream along with Kayla Braxton. And Kayla was just looking shocked. Like did this girl really just come up to her house and beat her up? And I saw that and I shared it on Twitter. Please check out my Twitter at Hardy WrestlePod if you haven't seen it already. It is amazing. So they're really carrying on this feud even outside of, you know, the performance center. So the women's division is turning up all over the place and I'm glad. So... (laughs) All right, so now we're going to go to the men. Raw started with a match between Apollo Crews and MVP for the United States Championship. And this match was really good. Um, they, The commentator, Tom Phillips, had to apologize, you know, to the audience because the lights were going out and stuff because they had heard some rumblings about some attacks going on on the power grid or whatever and so apollo cruz came out for his title defense and mvp apparently supposedly dropped a truth bomb referring to himself as the real united states champion and that his beef was going to be over as soon as he beat him in this match and as the lights kept going on and off apollo cruz took down his opponent with a snap suplex and then worked the arm and then um MVP escaped and kicked him in the face, but then there was a bunch of forearms that um, Apollo Crews gave to MVP. But then, of course, you know, the Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin had to come in and pull them, pull him to safety. But then he but then Apollo Crews jumped over the top rope in an amazing um, plancha to, you know, send the show into a break so i was just like okay like anytime apollo cruz hot flies high like a cruiserweight i love it because this is a man who looks like he should just be a heavyweight but this dude has the agility of a cruiserweight and i love it so um finally apollo cruz you know was fighting back and unloading on mvp and downed him with a spine buster but then he followed up with a toss power bomb and defended his title successfully so now apollo cruz has become 
Apollo 2 belts <laughs> because he has his old U.S. title and the new U.S. title that MVP introduced. Um, and after Apollo Crews won this match, he interviewed with Charlie and said that he was basically going to give one give the older title to his kids to put in their room and keep the newer title to himself so he dedicated his victory to his kids and then mvp basically cut another promo talking about the lighting issues um as a factor as to why he lost the match and, and then he challenged apollo cruz to a rematch at SummerSlam. so that was pretty interesting and also with the men you had a promo a very scaling promo between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. And Drew McIntyre came out there, you know, and talked about Orton's promo. And he discussed the differences between him and the Viper. And he said that he wasn't, that Drew McIntyre basically stated that he wasn't catered to, you know, and didn't ride in limos with Evolution. And how he was fired and had to work his butt off to get back and he achieved the greatness on his own and wasn't privileged like Randy Orton was. But then, of course, Randy Orton came out and interrupted. He came out there with Ric Flair, woo, and said that he's there in the WWE because he wants to be and because he likes dropping people with RKOs and punt kicking people, you know, in the head. But then Orton did agree that he should have been fired a long time ago because earlier in Randy Orton's career, he had faced some backlash. <clears throat> for a couple of things that he did that was just out of control and immature and i can't remember exactly what they were but he wasn't fired and it's alluded to in this promo that it had to do with his privilege and who you know his father and grandfather were in the wrestling business and he stated that the reason why wwe never fired him and only suspended him was because he was more valuable to wwe than drew mcintyre will ever be and he basically told Drew, you know, that he's heard it. He's heard all that before and that he should have an original thought. But then Drew came back with probably the biggest form of shade that I've ever heard and said that he recalled watching the Undertaker's Last Ride documentary. And he heard how Randy Orton said that the Undertaker was reaching down and pulling him to his level. And Drew asked Randy Orton when was the last time he reached and pulled anyone up to his level. And he called Randy Orton a selfish P-R-I-C-K. And, <laughs> and he said that he's going to kick Randy Orton's head off at SummerSlam and he's going to see it coming. And the one thing that I loved about this promo is the fact that, quite honestly... If you think about how The Undertaker has become this legend of sorts. Well, not I won't say of sorts. He's but he's a legend. He's an OG out here in these streets. And how he's basically allowed younger talent to sort of pull something of themselves to be able to be in a match with him and challenge themselves to be on his level, you know, in a match so they can create classics. You can only you know, um, you can only hope that a wrestler who's been there as long um, as Undertaker or as long as Randy Orton, you know, would, you know, try to pull someone up to their level and try to make them a better wrestler. You know, you know, you would hope that that will happen. But it seems as if Randy Orton is only seeking to do business for himself and not seek to help somebody up. And yeah, that's your prerogative if all you want to do is be your own man. But at the same time, 
the best part you know of a person's legacy in sports or even in wrestling period is how you help others as opposed to just helping yourself because there was a point where even triple h was sort of known for the type of person as the type of person who would only seek to do business for himself and even hulk hogan to a certain degree but it seems now that triple h has reached a point where he's paying it forward with creating nxt to be what it actually is and excuse me and making the stars of the future so at what point do you stop doing business for yourself and actually helping to pull the stars of the future up and i thought that was really interesting that drew mcintyre would bring that up so that was cool and i'm still intrigued to see them wrestle and fight each other at SummerSlam. and Shelton Benjamin lost a 24-7 championship to Akira Tozawa. And that happened kind of fast. And it kind of made me upset because at first it looked like the Hurt Biz were going to be like all dominant or whatever. But now he's lost that title. So it's just... And then MVP has lost his U- U.S. title, even though he wasn't technically champion. So, I mean, eh, that was whatever. So... Then we also had the debut of Raw Underground. And this, and they had announced earlier in the day that Shane McMahon was set to make an appearance on the show. So, with Raw Underground, you had sort of like a warehouse setting, um, and you had a lot of poor lighting in there. It was like really dark. Well, not really dark to the point where you couldn't see, but the lighting wasn't exactly that as bright as it is, you know, out in the regular ring. And they sort of had this big. I don't want to call it a mattress because it was a ring, but it wasn't like your regular ding ding ring. And (laughs) so they basically and they also had, you know, dancers in there or strippers in there sort of dancing to give off with this really weird club music. I don't want to say club music. It sounded like weird club music you would hear in like a video game or something. Um, In which a lot of people on social media said it reminded them of Def Jam um underground or some type of game i'm sorry if i'm quoting that wrong to my video game people um so they had this one fighter from nxt named dabakato and he bulldozed two um unnamed wrestlers and then shame man declared you know that raw underground would come back later on in the night and then it did come back with the viking raiders eric you know fighting another unknown competitor and i believe later on that night dolph ziggler fought someone too and this was kind of strange now mind you i love the idea that wwe is seeking to push the envelope creatively with what they're offering in light of the pandemic and i commend them for trying with all the theatrical things that they've been doing but raw underground is definitely different it it gives me fight club vibes you know that movie from a long time ago with um brad pitt and um gosh i can't remember his name edward norton there we go and helena bottom carter and it was just kind of like it just gave me fight club vibes but honestly there's something different about it and it's great that they're trying new things but at the same time you also had a lot of people on social media you know trashing it saying oh this is trash and i don't get it and da, 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 da. maybe we should just give it time to see what it'll actually offer us because it gives off something new 
and fresh in the sense that, that it looks like it, it, there's room for more extreme fighting within that realm and there are a lot of wrestlers who could probably benefit from that so it's um it's different so we'll just continue to see if there's more to it than what we actually think it is so that's kind of my perspective on it it's a wait and see deal with me um then we had two matches with angelo dawkins versus angel garza and montez ford versus andrade and what made me mad about angel garza was the fact that he was out here flirting with some girl from the bachelor or from bachelor in paradise or something with a rose and i'm just like um what about charlie but anyway (laughs) um dawkins and garza wound up having a pretty good match even though um Dawkins had to basically check on Montez Ford because he collapsed from being poisoned with his um drink or whatever but then um as he was distracted with that Angel Garza took advantage and wound up beating him but then Montez Ford basically tried to power through and fight in his match with Andrade and he wound up doing a pretty okay job until you know he had a glazed look in his eyes and then um el idolo basically blasted him with a hard right hand but then he was running but then montez was running on pure adrenaline and he exploded into the match but then he passed out and then the referee called for the bell and which led to that giant fight that zelena and bianca belair had so there was that and then dominic attacked seth rollins again and Dominic challenged Seth Rollins to a match that he accepted and now they're gonna fight and I'm so interested in seeing Dominic fight Seth Rollins officially because it seemed like it was only maybe 15 15 years ago almost where we saw Dominic get involved with that whole custody battle between Ray and the late great Eddie Guerrero saying I'm your poppy and all this other stuff and now we got him now in the future wrestling a match and i'm just like yes dominic fight for your you know self and then the hurt business decided to beat everybody up in a in really nice stacy adams looking suits um with raw underground and they basically you know stood up on the ring it was just like yeah look at us you know we're the hurt business so that's pretty much all that happened on Monday Night Raw. It was a whole lot going on. And I know this was really long, but it was a lot going on. So now we're going to go to NXT. All right. So on to NXT. The show actually started with the women with the number one contenders match for the NXT Women's Championship between Rhea Ripley and Dakota Kai. And something that I thought was really interesting about this match was the fact that it looked like Rhea Ripley was dominating Dakota Kai for most of the match. Um, Most noted was the fact that Dakota Kai came out by herself. I don't know where Raquel Gonzalez is, um, but she wasn't there. So she was dominating the the captain of Team Kick out here. But it was just like she kept something that i do commend dakota kai for doing was the fact that she kept finding ways to sort of escape and wiggle out of 
the larger, more power-based defenses of Rhea Ripley, and she found ways to sort of wear her down or whatever. Um, even though there was this really bad spot where it looked like Rhea Ripley had broken Dakota Kai's face against the apron with an electric chair and then landing her on the apron, it was like, whoa, it was really bad. Um, Dakota Kai had then set Rhea Ripley up for a finish with the Kyo kick, but then, like, Rhea Ripley had fought out of the corner, but then as the referee was distracted by whatever Dakota Kai was doing, like, Mercedes Martinez attacked Rhea Ripley from the outside and hit her upside the head, and then Dakota Kai hit the GTK off the top rope for the win, and then Martinez basically laid out Rhea Ripley to make a statement, and I was kind of sad because, I mean... It seemed like it was just a few months ago. We were talking about how amazing Rhea Ripley is and how she's destined to be a star and everything. And not to say that she's still not destined to be a star just because, you know, she lost to Charlotte Flair and all the other stuff. But at the same time, it's like she's sort of getting messed out of, you know, title opportunities now. But seeing her versus Mercedes Martinez, um, hopefully a takeover will be awesome because they both sort of have the same um power-based rest wrestling um ability even though mercedes has a little bit more of matt wrestling as well so i'm really interested in seeing this match take place and as for dakota kai being the number one contender to eo shirai's um nxc women's title that match is going to be really good too that's going to be really cool very kick happy so we'll see who you know who's going to kick and high fly the best in that match so that's going to be cool also with the women, we had a match between Indy Hartwell and Tegan Knox. And it was good to see, you know, Indy Hartwell sort of, you know, beef up, you know, her stature up against someone who's established as who's as established as Tegan Knox. But Tegan Knox basically dominated her <laughs> and hit her with the shiniest wizard in order to win for three. But I think something that distracted me and took me out of this match was the fact that <sighs> Pat McAfee and his annoying self came out there to basically make everything all about him and talk about how him and Adam Cole have basically, you know, supposedly made peace. But then he kept throwing barbs at him over and over again to the point to where Beth Phoenix actually left um, from commentating wherever she was um, via live stream and just didn't come back for the rest of the show. So it was just... It made me mad because, you know, Tegan Knox deserves a little bit better than to have her match sort of sideswiped with the attention hog known as Pat McAfee. So, and it was good to see Indy Hartwell sort of, you know, get more in-ring experience. So, that'll be cool. So, with the men, <laughs> we had our first contest between Bronson Reed and Shane Thorne. And Shane Thorne had apparently been gone for a while, but now he was back. And then he wore down Bronson Reed with his strikes and speed. But then um, Bronson Reed ran over Thorne with a Death Valley driver into a tsunami for the win. So I guess this is basically them sort of beefing up Bronson Reed because he's participating in the ladder match for the NXT North American title. So this um, was him sort of making the most of that, you know, opportunity and the most of that, you know, um, momentum. So this was great to see. So 
We also had another championship qualifier for the um, for that ladder match with Damian Priest versus Oni Lorcan versus Ridge Holland from NXT UK. And it was kind of interesting because I had really never seen Ridge Holland before, but he um, looked really fantastic earlier in the match with his strength. Um, and he was throwing around Damian Priest like he was like a rag doll. And there was a power struggle between them two. But then Oni Lorcan, of course, wasn't going to back down. And he was chopping chests over and over again in order to get them to not just ignore him as a small guy in the ring. Um, Damian Priest basically was able to knock Holland out of the ring and basically cover Lorcan for the, with the reckoning for the 1-2-3. And then they announced um, after that match that Dexter Loomis was injured in his triple threat match. Um, I believe he injured his ankle and he wasn't able to compete in the ladder match, which was totally sad. So they announced that there was going to be a trip, a one more triple threat match followed by a pair of singles matches between the men who were not pinned in the triple threat matches to determine the final two men in that match. So Damian Priest was basically saying that the tournament was made for him, but then he confronted Bronson Reed and said that they they should fight next week. So that's going to be interesting. Then Keith Lee and Cameron Grimes fought after that. Now, come on now. <laughs> Y'all ought to know that Cameron Grimes with his Red Dead Redemption 2 looking butt wasn't going to do nothing with Keith Lee now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Um... That's not to say that Grimes didn't do a good job or whatever. You know, he tried to look for gaps in the armor of, you know, Keith. But Keith wound up winning with the um, spirit bomb, which looked totally amazing. Um, as Cameron Grimes gets credit for selling that really well. But then after the match was over, the lights went out and Karrion Cross was on the Titantron. And he told, um, and he told Keith Lee that he would do whatever he needed to be done to get his title shot and in this video it's showing him beating up on Oni Lorgan and dragging him away after beating him up and then just leaving and saying that he was going to keep picking off his friends until Keith Lee accepted the challenge so it's going to be interesting seeing what um Karrion Cross is going to continue to do to get inside the head of Keith Lee then we had Legado del Fantasma beating up on Brizongo like and it was bad <laughs> so they dragged Fandango out to the back and then um did their regular thing where they like to beat up people coming out of a car so that was pretty interesting and Tyler Breeze was trying to save Fandango in the ring but then they were both laid out but then Santos Escobar warned and mentioned um Isaiah Swerve Scott you know, that he would be next if he kept talking about the Cruiserweight champion. So I really feel like Legado del Fantasma is everything that we hoped that um, Andrade Angel and Austin Theory would be. But, and it's so sad, but it's so wonderful because they just look so freaking awesome as a team. So there's that. And... The night ended with the NXT Tag Team Championship match between Marcel Bartel, or like my boyfriend likes to say, Marcel 
Bartel and Fabian Eichner of Imperium versus the Undisputed Era. And this match was really good. You know, you can't really expect anything less from these four guys when it comes to tag team wrestling. You're always going to get the best in terms of hot tags and in terms of athleticism. Like, it was like your regular classic NXT tag team title match. But something that kept, you know, going on was the fact that Adam Cole was outside the ring, you know, 20 feet away from Pat McAfee commentating with Tom Phillips. And he was still talking trash about him. And Adam Cole basically lost his cool and threw a water bottle at him. But then Kyle O'Reilly was distracted by the action. So that allowed Imperium to hit him with a powerbomb and spinning uppercut combination to retain their titles. And after that point, Pat McAfee had gotten in Adam Cole's face and they were fussing at each other to the referees and producers and even Shawn Michaels and Triple H had to break them apart. And... There was a point where Pat McAfee called him a B-word. And I was just like, no, he didn't just call him the B-word. So um, then he walked back, you know, after walking away and then punted Adam Cole in the head. And this was a and Pat McAfee, if you don't know, is a former NFL pro bowler. So him punting Adam Cole in the head is almost the equivalent of Randy Orton punting you in the head. It's just kind of like, uh, ouch. <laughs> so basically um after that point um i believe thursday triple h accepted a challenge on behalf of adam cole you know for pat mcafee to fight in a match against him at nxt takeover 30 that's coming up and this is going to be really interesting because i mean pat mcafee i guess I've never really seen him wrestle, but he's a football player. So hopefully he'll transition into that, you know, rather smoothly. And Adam Cole, you know, being the former NXT champion for over 400 days, um, they have bones to pick with each other. And I'm really interested to see how this is going to play out. So with that in mind, we're going to transition and go to the recap of SmackDown. Okay, so now we're gonna recap SmackDown. Now, the interesting part about this episode of SmackDown was the fact that there really wasn't a women's match per se, but there were like components to the show that contributed to the storylines for the women. So there were women on the show, but there just wasn't in ring action. And a lot of people were kind of upset about that, but I really couldn't be as upset because what they did offer us was still pretty good so um the first mention of alexa bliss happened on the show when the show started with bray wyatt sort of taking um shots at and shots at braun Strowman and saying that if he didn't give the fiend the universal title that he would continue to hold alexa bliss hostage and so the fiend was set to show up later on in the show and also with the women you had Ms. tv in which they featured mandy rose's cut hair um as a puppet and it was kind of strange um they had they gave the wig googly eyes and they were pretending to basically talk you know about it and say that the hair had like you know different issues with conditioning and stuff like that and was basically saying hair yeah you know as a as a um 
phrase for the hair to say and it was really bad like this 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 segment was pretty bad i mean it was meant to be goofy because the miz and john morrison are really good at being goofy together goofy heels but at the same time it just wasn't it didn't hit that well i would have just preferred it if they had just brought out sonya deville and just called that mess a day so after they did this joke you know they brought out sonya and she basically went on a rant talking about how much she lost respect for mandy rose and how she feels like mandy is just you know the only thing that she has to offer wwe is her looks and not her talent and all this other stuff basically going on the basic rant that she's been going on for the past couple of months before she got took off tv and um she said that she took pleasure in destroying mandy last week and Heavy Machinery came out to the ring to defend their to defend Mandy Rose's honor and beat up on Miz and Morrison as Sonya Deville moved out of the way. Let me also say that Sonya Deville wore a suit to this interview and she looked amazing. Like she wore she wore she wore that suit better than probably a man would in that sense because I'm just like with the confidence that she has with the suit it's just amazing. So, it's cool. Um and heavy machinery in the Miz and John Morrison would wrestle in a match way later so that was interesting and also we had a segment with Sasha Banks and Bailey backstage fussing about um Sasha taking the challenge for Bailey to face Asuka on Raw next week but Sasha kept you know reiterating the fact that she said oh I believe in you you know you don't I'm not worried about it you know I you know I know you got this so I won't have to face Asuka at SummerSlam. So she was just basically reiterating how she believed in her. And it was weird because it felt like as Bailey was talking about it, she sounded more like her old self. Kind of like with her softer voice and not with her grating heel voice. She sounded like more of the hugger Bailey in her voice. And I don't know if that was a um a sign of things to come or what or maybe i'm just overthinking it but then the producer came back there and told them you know to go to the ring because stephanie mcmahon wants to talk to you guys and they went to the ring and they were trying to kiss up to stephanie mcmahon or whatever but stephanie was saying you know you guys are sort of serving as role models in the sense that you guys you know attacked Kyrie saying backstage and you've been cheating your way you know through you know all of your title matches and everything so she basically announced that there was going to be a triple brand battle royal um to see who was going to face Bailey for her Smackdown women's title um later on in the year I guess after I guess SummerSlam maybe or even before SummerSlam who knows but I thought it was really intriguing the idea of a triple brand um battle royal because literally that means anybody from any brand could possibly win like somebody from NXT could possibly get a chance at at a main roster title like that would be really amazing or just somebody new from Raw or SmackDown might get a chance at a title maybe Bianca Belair maybe Zelina Vega or you know Naomi like anybody like that would just be really cool so that's gonna be interesting to see 
also with the women you had um alexa bliss out in the ring with the fiend sort of touching his face or whatever which gave me mad phantom of the opera vibes but then he sort of you know shifted away from her as she reached out to touch his face but then braun Strowman came on the screen and sort of said that he didn't you know care about alexa bliss but he just wanted to destroy bray Wyatt, and he sounded really evil and he said that he was pushing his breaking point and couldn't contain his evil anymore so i guess braun Strowman is going to be an evil demon now and bray Wyatt is going to be his evil evil demon self but it sort of begs the question with alexa bliss and if she's going to sort of serve under the the sister abigail um storyline that we've sort of been pushing for for a couple years now or whatever because she did show up in the face of sister abigail during that swamp match you know and sort of insinuating the whole relationship dynamic between her and braun Strowman that was sort of you know in the past so i don't know where this is gonna go but i think it's still gonna be really interesting so that's pretty much all that happened with the women so the mat the not the match but the show started with matt riddle versus sheamus and this was a pretty interesting match in the sense that you know these are two totally different types of fight styles going up against each other um sheamus asserted his dominance early by forcing um matt riddle to the corner and wrestling him down to the mat in a side headlock but then of course he uses matt riddle uses mma background you know to wiggle his way out and relied on his striking ability to combat you know Seamus's power and Riddle did try to employ you know a couple of submissions here and there um before Seamus power bombed him to stop him in his tracks and then when they we came back from commercial um Riddle was kicking out after taking three consecutive backbreakers which looked really bad um because he was selling them really well so as Matt Riddle was trying to make a comeback and then he hit several moves um before Seamus hit him with the white noise Matt Riddle struggled to get up but then Shorty G aka Chad Gable came out and attacked him and act and caused an actual disqualification so <laughs> Seamus then watched as um, Matt Riddle basically beat up um Chad Gable for trying to attack him and collect that stupid bounty that King Corbin's got going on and then Seamus got mad, and I don't know if that was a face turn or not, but he got mad and proceeded to um, hit Shorty G with a bro kick. So it's just kind of like, I mean, there's just so much beefing going on between all of these folks. It's, it's crazy. Then um, Cesaro had a match with Lince Dorado. And what was interesting about this match was the fact that Cesaro was basically trying to use his power advantage to... Um, grade down um Lince Dorado and his high-flying style which I thought was really smart but you know Cesaro you know has an underlying you know experience with lucha wrestling himself as well so he was able to sort of use that to his advantage and Cesaro wound up winning the match so I kind of hated it was kind of short and it could have been longer but you know in the end it was cool and maybe this is sort of building up for a, a tag team title feud between Shinsuke and Cesaro and Lucha House Party. So who knows? Um, because Lucha House Party would be good tag team champions at this point. So that would be cool. And I had, and then we had a match where it was King Corbin versus Jeff Hardy. And then it was King Corbin versus Sheamus. And this was kind of weird. <laughs> 
because of course Jeff Hardy Hardy game um and Baron Corbin were fighting each other and um he started unloading with punches so after that point Matt Hardy was hitting a few quick moves for a two count before Baron Corbin of course drilled him with a um, right hand of his own and Jeff Hardy just spent the next few minutes, you know, trying to defend himself. And he was trying to make a comeback, but then Barry Corbin just stayed on him for it. And he hit him with a deep six to a two count. But then Sheamus came out and delivered a bro kick to Jeff Hardy because, of course, you know, they're beefing but not beefing. And that caused an actual disqualification. And then Sheamus and Barry Corbin got to fight after the commercial break. And then Matt Riddle showed up and caused a distraction to Sheamus. And caused a distraction and allowed Sheamus to hit the bro kick for the win. And then Matt Riddle applauded Sheamus after it was all over. So everybody's beefing with everybody. Hardy is apparently still beefing with Sheamus. Sheamus is beefing with Corbin. And it's just a lot going on in this. So it was a lot. Then um, to end the show, we had um, Heavy Machinery versus The Miz and John Morrison. And... It was good to see Otis and Tucker back together again because it felt like it was basically like the Otis and Mandy show for a while. So it was good to see them, you know, back together as a tag team. And it makes me wonder how come they haven't truly been in the tag team title picture, you know, in such a long time. And I feel like Otis, you know, is Mr. Money in the Bank. They should put more emphasis on that because it felt like they were just talking to him as you know the supportive boyfriend of mandy rose and i'm just like yeah yo guys he's also mr money in the bank like let's beef that up too you know but maybe they're waiting to sort of give him that sort of push you know once he actually does try to cash it in so we'll see and this match was pretty crazy um tucker hit john morrison with a friday um with a waist lock slam before he laid him out with a straight right hand and he spent a long time in the ring it led to Miz and John Morrison taking control for a lot of the time but then of course Sonya Deville was out there with them and rooting on Miz and Morrison and um, Otis just kept waiting for his partner to tag him in and he wasn't able to help his partner get the upper hand but then Mandy Rose came out you know in all of her short hair sort of natural looking glory with tennis shoes and jeans on and beat the crap out of Sonya Deville but then the ref called for the bell as Otis and Tucker tried to hold Rose back from them and they kept trying to play you know peacemaker amongst them but then Mandy and Sonya just kept jumping on each other and beating each other up and it was just like whoa and even after the break you know as they were still fighting each other backstage the lights kept going out over and over again but then you had a bunch of people when they put the camera back on Corey graves and michael cole you had a bunch of people with black hoodies and jeans on you know rushing the ring with weapons and they started causing mayhem and this was the group that's now known as retribution and um, they sent different cameramen and people outside the ring running away backstage and then they grabbed a bunch of tools and stuff and started tearing the ring apart. They grabbed bats and was banging on, you know, the plexiglass. They beat up superstars who was behind the plexiglass and then they took a chainsaw and tore apart the ring ropes 
and somehow or another the led board outside on the ring apron got unplugged and all that and it was just crazy it was just really crazy so i mean it was a little bit more chaotic than the last um actually was on the same level of um chaos that the that the group called the nexus did maybe 10 years ago um where they all came out and just destroyed and ransacked everybody and everything except you know retribution didn't beat up like they beat up people but they didn't beat up everybody like the nexus did they beat up the nexus beat up everyone including the commentators and you know they flipped the tables and tore the ring apart and all of the above in order to ransack everything and i just wonder who these people even are <laughs> like who are they like where did you guys come from and why are you guys attacking everyone like who are y'all like there's so many rumors as to who could be you know you know in the group so i mean i i don't know i guess we'll have to wait and see you know if they reveal themselves so that's the end of the smackdown recap All right, so we've reached the end of our time together. Thank you so much for listening to me. And I hope, you know, somehow or another, you've taken something away from this episode or you've learned something that you've never really heard about before. Or you've just, you know, listened to it because you like to listen to my soothing voice at times. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening. And I hope you're enjoying your life and enjoying what wrestling has to offer, you know, if you're watching it or you're just thinking about starting something new and wrestling just caught your eye and I hope you know this has been a safe place for you to sort of listening to what's been going on um if you can catch it and if you can't catch it um you can follow me on social media you can follow me on Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and you can follow me on Twitter at Hardy Wrestle Pod and you can also follow me on my regular um twitter and instagrams at queen steph hardy for both of those and you can also follow the facebook page at hardy wrestling podcast as well and you know just continue to support the show you can listen to me anywhere you get your podcast google podcast the anchor app apple podcast youtube i have a youtube channel um and you can also listen to me on spotify and on iHeartRadio too. So if you're just looking for a chill place, you know, to just listen to wrestling, you know, please like, share, subscribe to continue to get your chill, positive and passionate vibes here. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to me and I hope you're being safe and having a good time out there in life. And until then, you know, continue to follow your dreams, follow what makes your heart sing and be true to yourself and always be you. Because in the end, that's all that's important. So with that in mind, thank you for listening to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with me, your girl, Stephanie Hardy. Until next time, bye, y'all.